Welcome back to another episode of Hey Hey NWA. How's it going, everybody? How is your week going? Yeah, tomorrow is the spooky day. Tomorrow's Halloween. Anyway, welcome back to another episode. I am sitting here recording this intro by myself, uh, if you can't tell, because Peyton is not here. And uh, I'm just going to let you know what this episode's about and kind of get you... Uh, some exciting news that we can announce that I'm very excited about. Anyway, uh, so this episode uh, features Dayton Castleman, a friend of ours, um, who is very much involved with the arts community in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, you'll know his work if you know the big arrow in Bentonville behind downtown Bentonville, Inc. and Peddler's Pub. Um, it's the very, very tall telephone pole that looks like a big arrow stuck in the ground. That is his work. So if you know that piece, then you kind of know Dayton. Dayton is also the director of the museum at 21C. We don't really talk about that in this conversation, um, but we do talk about his involvement with the Rogers Experimental House and Rogers, basically a space for makers and artists and tinkerers to get together and do really neat work in this really cool space. I'm very excited about it, um, which you'll hear later. We did divide this episode into three separate parts. So in this first episode, Dayton is going to talk about his, um, his introduction to Bentonville into Northwest Arkansas, having moved here from Chicago, uh, talking about what it was like uh, encountering Crystal Bridges in the early days and how it affected him and how he changed the art landscape or how he affected the art landscape since he's been here, um, the work that he makes. Um, some of the stuff he's in, been involved with, which is really good stuff. Um, so this is that first episode. I'll explain kind of how the other episodes will run with the other introductions, but that's this one. Anyway, uh, in addition to all of that, we also are excited to announce that we, on Saturday night, Saturday, November 4th, we will be doing a live podcast with our friend Meg Meredith. Uh, she is the author of The Nightingale uh, young adult series, and we're going to be talking about her newest book, The Rook and the Queen, on Saturday night, uh, starting at 7 p.m. While that is cool and all, uh, Mag has arranged an incredible night, not just of us interviewing her, but has put together a whole night of artists and musicians and poets uh, getting up and telling their stories and sharing their art, uh, business owners talking about why the work that they do is important. All of this really incredible stuff, really exciting. Um, so that's going to be on Saturday night, starting at 7 p.m. Uh, we shared a Facebook event about it, so if you want to go check that out, you can do so on our Facebook page. Um, the event, like I said, starts at 7 p.m., and it is at the Berry Farm, which is at 12726 Huber Road in Bentonville. Go check that event out. You can go RSVP there and everything on Facebook. Just go look at our page. Anyway, all that being said, we hope to see you at that event. It's going to be a ton of fun. We get to hang out with some really great people. You'll meet some incredible artists. 
um, and makers and poets and business owners and all that sort of stuff. So please come to that. It'd be a great, great time. Um, anyway, with all that being said, here are Peyton, Dayton, and myself. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. So is it recording right now? Oh, yeah, it's been recording. Okay, okay. this is perfect. I think this should just be the intro of the podcast. This is it? Okay, (laughs) very good. We're into it. Um, So, everybody. Hey, hey, NWA. Hey, hello, everyone. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. We have with us in Peyton's living room, Dayton Castleman. Cheers to you, brother. Um, Welcome. Thanks for being on. Um, I would love for you to tell us about you tell us how do people know you as far as what are you a part of in northwest arkansas depends who you ask okay sure. <laughs> i've gotten involved what about in your a, mom I've, yeah start with your mom well <laughs> <laughs> my mother i love her to death she is possibly one of the most painfully doting mothers on the face of the planet so she has all kinds of good things to say about me but we won't talk about that exactly good i you know i moved to northwest arkansas from chicago and just sort of showed up and came here because i suspected that crystal bridges was going to cause this sleepy little town to um start changing and it was going to change it in ways that related to what I had spent most of my adult life cultivating, um, in, uh, making art and just kind of an interest in how art communities and cultures grow. And that was really exciting sounding. It was also a move closer to parents. My parents relocated here, um, about 15 years ago. Um, so it was new to me, did not grow up in Northwest Arkansas, right. but, uh, it was as my wife and my family was growing, um, the possibility of being closer to family to help out, um, sounded good. What kind of experiences did you have up in Chicago that kind of kindled your fire for what was happening here in Northwest Arkansas? <laughs> The experiences were that for either Christmas or Thanksgiving for 15 years, you know, we visited the area and nothing about this area recommended itself to me in terms yeah. of like the desire to relocate, um, which was made, uh, I guess, more poignant by the fact that my mom, especially after we had our first kid, was constantly sort of hinting or suggesting, you know, you guys would love it here if you moved here. Mm-hmm. And that idea to my wife and I just didn't seem viable or feasible because we were both artists and there just wasn't a whole lot going on. And then in about 05, 2005 um, or six, uh, she sent a newspaper clipping about Crystal Bridges, like when it was just kind of at the very beginning of them publicly talking about what the project was. Um, And I, I met that with a healthy amount of skepticism as a lot of my friends and colleagues did, yeah. you know, and hearing the news about, uh, the, the museum, a lot of people thought the name was funny. 
um, not like dry and academic enough yeah. uh, to be a serious museum. And, um, you know, there, there was a lot of baggage going along with it. And I just sort of took it as another one of my mom's efforts to uh, try to lure us here, but never anticipated that it would um, succeed. Yeah. That it would actually <laughs> work or, or that crystal bridges would be the museum that it actually is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was uh, the winter of 2005, just a couple of months after crystal bridges opened um, that Christmas, we were visiting Northwest Arkansas. We went to crystal bridges we knew that we were expecting our second child. Mm-hmm. And so that thought of like, this would be a whole lot easier in somewhere slower paced than Chicago yeah, um, for a couple of, you know, not rich artists. Yeah. You know? uh, and so there were, there was a lot of appeal just because of the, the area. Um, and, and then, yeah, visited crystal bridges and I was, kind of blown away by that experience. I describe it to people like I think visiting a museum is like, for me, it feels there's an intuitive dimension to it. Like Mm -hmm. a person that knows wine really well, they don't have to drink a whole glass of bad wine to know that it's a bad wine. Yeah. In fact, they can drink one sip of either a good wine or a bad wine and have some sense of the relative quality of it. So yeah, that first visit to Crystal Bridges and going around was like, wow, this is a really amazing, even important collection. And I was mm. kind of shocked by that. Yeah. And by the end of that trip, you know, on the drive home, I think we had driven down that year from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, We were like, well, <laughs> You want to move to Arkansas? Uh, and that's what we ended up doing. How you know? long after that was it before you guys moved? That was uh, in July, so seven months. Okay. Exactly. Wow. I quit, that's quick. I quit a job, um, and uh, I was teaching at the time. Quit a teaching job and moved to Northwest Arkansas and got a job at Fat Tire Bike Shop downtown. <laughs> That's where you started, Fat Tire. Man. Yeah. What is... It was great. I'm always curious to hear the experience of people moving in from like a big city to Northwest Arkansas, because Peyton came from Chicago, Mm -hmm. and before that, Dallas, Mm -hmm. and I was just outside of Memphis growing up, but I lived in Jackson, which is a town of 70,000 people, and then moved up here, and it was like, there are so many people here, so much stuff going on. So I'm interested to hear the (laughs) opposite side of that spectrum, where people from... Oh, Chicago that's funny. Or Dallas. You, know, you moved to the metropolis of Benville yeah, yeah. or but Northwest you, Arkansas. It's the inverse for you guys where it's like, we're moving to some small town. Yeah. That, like? Like, yeah. that is interesting. I, well, the first thing I think I noticed about Northwest Arkansas was I kept meeting people that weren't from Northwest Arkansas, hmm. you know, and working at that bike shop, unbeknownst to me, was probably the best possible thing that could happen because Fat Tire as a kind of hub of the cycling culture of Bentonville commercially um, meant that because cycling culture was so huge, everybody came in. I met the mayor of Bentonville the first week I was working in the bike shop and he gave me a little gold coin. He carries around (laughs) gold coins that say, you know, the mayor of Bentonville. Uh I still have it, you know, like the Sacagawea coin or what are we talking about? No, it's, it's a specially made Bentonville coin. I just, it might say the mayor might just say the city of Benville on it. And it's, I think it's got some kind of 
plastic overlay on one side, like shrink wrapper, mm-hmm. car wrap type yeah. adhesive. Unbeknownst to you, and you then, uh, stumbled upon upon the key to the city. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just actually a coin. Yeah, you just stick it in the slot, and and oh. Benville unfolds before you. <laughs> no, I really love the fact that the mayor has really really fancy business cards that he can just hand out to anybody who it runs was, across. It was kind of cool. <laughs> well, see, at the time, the reason the the conversation with the mayor, you know, was. I think the way that it was was because when I engage customers at the bike shop, I start a conversation with them. And I, so it's very conversational. It's very much uh-huh. kind of get to know you. Yep. And um, and oftentimes, eventually, especially because Mayor's not in there to buy a bike, he's just kind of visiting businesses. Hitting out gold coins. Um, yeah, it, you know, it comes around, well, where'd you come from? How'd you get here? What's your story? Right. And so it was, of course, telling that story. I said, I kind of moved to Bentonville because I was excited about Northwest Arkansas and what was going to happen because of this museum. Um, and at that point, it was less than, it had been open for less than a year. Um, and was just excited about getting in on the ground floor of this, you know, um, growing cultural ecosystem. You know, it's like a big tree appeared in a desert. Hmm. and all these life forms i was in, i was one of those you know lower life forms that sort of begin to um gather in the shadow of that tree because it's fertile ground around that tree um and uh that really excited me and the signs of life are everywhere i went to a opening of this little 117 create space in um springdale just to you know, storefront type office or business environment that is being converted and utilizes artist studios, kind of like a co-op. Mm-hmm. And those are those little buds. And I see all of these things happening around Northwest Arkansas. And it gets me excited because yeah. I quit a decent job to be here. <laughs> and if it didn't happen, <laughs> that would kind of stink. Yeah. It better pay off, right? Yeah. Well, we're, we're getting there. Um, yeah, totally. So I, it's, I think that's so funny that you say that because I feel the same way. Like I can walk into a space where stuff is going on in Springdale or Fayetteville or mm-hmm. up here in Bentonville and meet the person who's in charge of putting this whole thing together. That's been something that's been really mm-hmm. interesting for me <laughs> where I think about like, I can't imagine moving back to Memphis where all of this stuff already has so much infrastructure and um, capital pumped into it. And yeah, you know, power underneath, power behind it, um, volunteer work or whatever it is. It's so intimidating because, like, you don't get to know the people who are like creating the thing on the ground floor, that sort of thing. And I think I've seen what you're talking about, where you can walk into a space and be like, "Oh, you run this whole space. Like, this is your brainchild that you've created." You know, they're artist-run spaces. You know, they're spaces that are well. Northwest Arkansas, I think, has a little bit more kind of entrepreneur-run spaces, I would almost say, okay. you know, but there's still, in many cases, there's a um, there's a, a love of the thing that you're doing that goes beyond the simple potential that, you know, you might be able to break even or make some money on it. Yeah. Um, so I think there is some degree of investment, but those artist-run spaces are a part of the culture of Chicago specifically that I really enjoyed that when I got to Chicago and you know on weekends 
fellow grad students or whoever they were, you know, I found out about this whole huge network of apartment galleries, you know, spaces that are just, they're in some, they're in an apartment, they're in some borrowed space or a shed, you know, went to more than one, you know, shed show. Mm -hmm. Um, and just simply had never been exposed to anything like that. And it was fun to observe the varying levels of complexity that those took. Some of them were a bit more well-developed and had larger communities that were sort of driving them and running them. And um, some of them were a little bit more shoestring operations. And But they all had a tremendous amount of charm and they were gathering places for artists just in general. Um, you could go, you could meet like-minded folks, um, or at least people that were involved in the same, um, kind of cultural sphere that you were, um, and had a great time, uh, within that little culture. And so when moving to Bentonville, that was my first instinct was house gallery, you know, or to just live in Bentonville in a space that I could also utilize as gallery space. Yeah. Uh, and that was a priority for where we ended up. We rented in Northwest, uh, downtown for our first, uh, three years living here. And, uh, I, the moment that I arrived, I started actually before I arrived, I started working on a house gallery and the first show that I did at that space, which is called art Northwest. Um, was three weeks after we moved to Bentonville. Wow. We were not even entirely out of boxes and, <laughs> you know, flyered downtown Bentonville. Yeah. Was that just your work and your wife's work? No, that, most of that was, um, I don't think that any of my work was actually in the show, but it was work that my wife and I own that's been traded for mostly, mostly gotcha. trades. Um, so artwork of friends, um, primarily. And, uh, but yeah, I didn't have any of my own. I don't like doing shows. I don't, I, don't, I think it's kind of tacky to curate yourself into your own show. Really? A little bit. I mean, <laughs> unless it's like your own show. Sure. I don't know. Sure. Uh, but if I'm curating a show, I don't, sometimes I've put my work in to fill space. Like if yeah. I need, like I need something here, but it's not my, not my brothers i guess yeah yeah but you found it easy to find other artists to do that show within three weeks of being here well no those artists were work that we already owned so this was just basically our own it's a collection technically but i i it it's such a small and kind of uh personal collection compared to a lot of larger collections um and so, yeah, we basically showed our collection, which is very humble, not nearly as cool as it sounds, but. But like some... for a house, it's probably pretty great yeah. to have just in a house. Maybe. I mean, a lot of it's really, really weird. Oh, good. You know, yeah. There's definitely <laughs> some weird stuff, you uh-huh. know, that uh, is um, uh, not your typical, you know, like it's not intended to uh, complement the furniture. Yeah. 
you know yes. it's yes or the okay. wall color you know mm-hmm. it's uh some of it's you know it can be grotesque things or strange things yeah uh, made man. a really good first impression your third first That's movie my thought, yeah. dude it's like people showed up and they're like, who's this new kid to town? Who's like three weeks here and showing all this nonsense. Well, what I was surprised by was that a lot of people actually came. We, my wife was nine months, eight months pregnant. And we had like 50 people in our little tidy house in Northwest Bentonville. Um, And the atmosphere was lively you know there was a lot of energy in it and it was very eye-opening it was a bit of a holy cow moment for me because i couldn't believe that this many people that i didn't know or just met the last three weeks you know Mm -hmm. working in the bike shop had shown up at the house yeah well just emphasizes that appetite that you foresaw you know i mean it's exactly what you yeah, and I might have got, just gotten lucky. I mean, the the culture that is centered around that bike shop, you know, around Fat Tire is, um, and I think was, especially at the time, it was an important kind of clearinghouse for a lot of different kind of people. So I was able to really kind of just get the word out through word of mouth real well in a way that if I'd gone to work practically anywhere else in Bentonville, I wouldn't have been able to have that same opportunity to sort of broadcast this silly little house show yeah (laughs) it turned out it turned out well and did you do more of that after that first house show or i did two more yeah two more one was showing the work of an artist named kevin arnold uh kevin i don't know where he is right now but he does a lot of residencies he goes around the u.s and even the globe um, doing residencies he was he's from Fort Smith I believe I think he did his undergrad at University of Arkansas Okay, he did his grad work at Rhode Island School of Design and he ended up being the studio mate of a good friend of mine who's an artist in Philadelphia or was where we met was in Philadelphia Okay, he subsequently moved to Nashville um, so when I moved to Northwest Arkansas, he connected us. And so we did a, a great show of Kevin's work. He, at the time, was doing a lot of, um, he was doing a lot of paintings that were intended to mimic, uh, he did a very large scale painting of a dirty old twin mattress at full scale. And uh, it, and realistically enough, so that when the painting is leaning against the wall, um, at a glance, it just kind of looks like there's a dirty old mattress leaning up against the wall, yeah. um, a door, an exit sign. Um, so he did a lot of these things, which were really interesting to put into a domestic environment. Hmm. And that was sort of my uh, intellectual stake in the show, was that by placing these objects that would look different in a white cube, yeah. Um, you know, next to our washer dryer or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It changes the reading of the work. And yeah. I, I enjoyed that very much. Um, and then I did a show of um, photography by Thomas Merritt. Um, Tom's a Bentonville guy, still lives in Bentonville. He was one of the first people I met because at the time he was running, to my knowledge, it was the only kind of non commercial artist run space in Bentonville. Which was what at the time? Studio 124. 
all these studios. He's going to kill me if I... They just have a bunch of numbers. Studio... It's it's hard to keep up. Studio 124, I think, was what it was called. It was where the parking garage of the neighborhood market downtown is. Oh, good. The old strip mall. Um, There was a Harps. (laughs) The Harps has now moved over there Uh uh, across uh, Walton. Um, And there was a Cleaners and just a few small kind of strip shops and then there was a corner unit that tom rented and uh just did projects and art shows in there and i latched on to tom right away because he was very much a kindred spirit during that season in bentonville um he was the guy that was kind of doing the types of things that i wanted to do and that i wanted to see happen and uh so um yeah that was a those house shows yeah interesting so then from there like where oh, do you I gotta r- tell you about that show tell though. me about the, the show, show. <laughs> the show the show is great he um <clears throat> i'm gonna mess the story up a little bit but Perfect. basically it goes like this he's visiting a friend may have been overseas i'm not sure visiting a friend and he goes in the friend's freezer for whatever reason and he finds a roll of film in the freezer and I think it's it's like has a piece of tape on it that says like do not open or do not use or something of that okay. sort. Um, but he's just like, whatever. So he takes the film and he uh, exposes the film. What's on the film? What happens is that the, What's film, on the film, the, the, it was his friend's film and there was already it was already exposed okay. and rewound. Tom takes the film without knowing that and basically reshoots a whole other roll of film right on top of it. Okay. And then he develops the film and discovers that there was already a roll of photographs on here. And there were some really beautiful moments. These little black and white photographs that were just mm. uh, lovely, completely unintentional completely um haphazardly composed because he doesn't know that he's already that he's composing on top of already exposed film and uh so he has it developed and he and his friend i think had a falling out over it or something like that it was really dramatic the whole story is great i wish i could remember it clearly uh and um so yeah showed these photographs Hmm. they were sweet Wow, that had this like double exposure. Double exposure. Each yeah. one of them had a double exposure, and wow, some of them so were interesting. just brilliant. They were, you know, randomly brilliant. But yeah, they were great little shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, serendipitous. Uh huh. What then? You do these three house shows, and then you're mm-hmm. kind of feeling maybe a wave swell underneath you. That was maybe what. That was maybe a year, probably within that first year. Those first three shows happened. Um, Two months after moving, we had our second baby, Zoe. And so that sort of changes life a little bit. And I would imagine. Basically, my experience of coming to Northwest Arkansas has been coming with you know one child and this idealistic mindset about what I hope to accomplish and do, and then having a second child, and then having a third child, and getting to a point where you realize, like, man, I'm like the old guy now who has a lot of kids and I can't keep operating like I'm, you know, 
27 year old with a house gallery. Yeah. As much as I wish that, you know, I had that sort of leisure to focus on these non-essential projects. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a full time day job, et cetera. Yeah. Right. So So then what you've seen little successes (laughs) with art shows and, you yourself at this point, have you produced any art for the area at this? Are you making, are you not making anything right now? I, well, at this point in the story, are you Mm. making Oh, at that point? Yeah. I was working on a show. Um, yeah, if we're going chronologically, that would make sense. Yeah, man. I had built a relationship with Eve Smith at art center of the Mm -hmm. Ozarks and, um, kind of pitched the possibility of doing a show there and the way that i work is you know people's first question to me is often what medium do you work in or what's your preferred medium and i'm sometimes feel guilty because i don't want to sound like i'm being a jerk or you know evasive or whatever but i it's really the most honest thing i can say to people is that i don't really have a medium what i do is i'm a conceptual artist essentially and the ideas that become interesting to me that I want to explore. I, I allow those ideas to go where they want. And then whatever sort of material form that takes is guided by the idea. So it can be different every single time because a particular, the way to explore this particular idea may not work using sculptural means. It may need to be a two dimensional medium that I'm utilizing. Mm -hmm. Um, now, could you give and, an example of that? I know you said each one of them are different. Yeah. But. Uh, well, I'll tell you with the art center of the Ozarks, um, I had an opportunity to do a show and I had about six months to do it. And I, uh, started from scratch. Like it wasn't like, okay, so I'm going to gather up all this artwork I have of mine and put it in the art center of the Ozarks. Right. Uh, the way that I work typically is, okay, I'm going to do something at the Art Center of the Ozarks, and I don't know what that is yet. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that caught my interest with the show was that I had just moved to the Ozarks. And uh, so I started reading about the Ozarks. When you're not from the Ozarks, you hear about the Ozark Mountains, and then you come here, you know, if you've spent any time out west or any, or even in the Smokies or whatever, yeah. you look around and you go, what where mountains? are the mountains <laughs> you know, it's awfully flat you yeah. know it seems that there are some gullies but it's still a f- pretty flat place so i started reading about the ozarks mm-hmm. the ozark mountains um and uh i came across a paragraph in something i was reading that mentioned the like the sunken or submerged resort town of Montanay and the the kid in me that like Indiana Jones as a you know as a boy yeah was like sunken resort town what? in northwest Arkansas yes <laughs> are you kidding me so I so I start reading about Montanay and become fascinated with this fella William Hope Coyne Harvey who had this really apocalyptic utopian idea about this resort town but especially this hundred foot tall time capsule pyramid that was meant to last a million years okay and he's got a pamphlet describing 
in great detail the form and composition of this hundred foot tall concrete pyramid, um, describing it down to details like he determined the height of the pyramid so that if in a million years the the rises and the the foothills that you see around Montanay and Beaver Lake, if all of that were to eventually become flat ground, presumably kind of leveling out at a median mm-hmm. altitude, that it would still be sticking out of the ground 25 feet. Okay. Wow. So really detailed, wild, but pretty smart ideas sure. about how to do this kind of stuff. And as the uh, sort of entrance and base to that 100-foot-tall pyramid in Rogers, <laughs> you know, now, um, he began this construction, this kind of intuitive architectural construction of this amphitheater made out of poured concrete and um, situated it as a part of his resort. And there was a little lagoon and a, like, canal you could take a boat to the amphitheater and there would be different kinds of events and up until the creation of beaver lake in 1932 maybe maybe it was even 52 i can't recall exactly now um even up until that point the amphitheater was people picnicked there you know they drive from bentonville after church on sunday and hang out at the the amphitheater or whatever when they then created Beaver Lake. It submerged the amphitheater, but it, uh, the I think that the base kind of altitude of Beaver Lake is 114,000 feet. No, 1,114 feet. And the top layer of um, the amphitheater, I believe, is at 1,111 feet. Okay. So basically the entire giant beaver lake submerged the thing by three feet. So it's kind of just under the water. Yeah. And it's this magnificent um, looking, well, magnificence, maybe not the word, but sure. really cool and yeah. bizarre tiered concrete structure. But what's mostly cool about it is the fact that it's underneath beaver lake. Um, but every several, every few years uh, in a drought, a certain portion of it will be revealed. Um, and it's, it's been about like every 19 or 20 years, a severe enough drought will expose almost the entire thing. Hmm. And then the news reports on it and people flock to it. Uh, and then it starts to rain again and it goes away. Right. It disappears. And each time it's revealed, it's slightly more deteriorated. Um, and that just blew me away, the whole story. So I wanted to tell the story of Coin Harvey. Um, and I wanted to do it by reproducing uh, a section of this amphitheater. Um, and so the material I chose for that was corrugated plastic. Okay. Same stuff you'd like put a yard sign on or something right. like that um, in a natural color. So it's just, the, it's like the color of a, those post office boxes, you know, yeah. the, just the plain kind of clear but um translucent not um clear actually and uh and then i was going to light it internally so that it the installation was on a one hour cycle so at the beginning of that cycle it's completely pitch black in the space 
And then over the course of a half hour, lights underneath the amphitheater begin to slowly rise and glow um, until reaching their full illumination at half hour. And then they decrease for another half hour, mm. um, kind of as a way of a revealing and disappearing mm -hmm. of the yep. thing, echoing the fluctuation of the altitude of Beaver Lake. Yeah. Um, and then projecting onto that slides depicting a slideshow basically depicting the um the writings drawings and ideas of coin harvey so that if you sat and you watched this slideshow um you would be kind of told the story of what this giant mm. architectural thing is standing in front of you so to do that you know you need your medium is slide projector um slides which are not easy to come by they're pretty expensive to get slides made really? nowadays huh. um and then chose coroplast because it was translucent but also makes a great projection surface mm -hmm. um, it was an anamorphic projection so the closer you sat to the point of projection the clearer the slides would become sure. and they would become completely distorted from another angle and I set the projector at the exact eye height of Coin Harvey. Okay. So in one sense, if you see it from his perspective, it all makes a lot of sense. Okay. The moment uh -huh. that you move laterally away from the center of that projection, it breaks apart because the articulations of the sculpture. Gotcha. Um, so that was materials following Coroplast is relatively cheap. You can build a fairly large structure for not, you know, multiple thousands of dollars right um it's fairly easy to work with um that project followed in that way um other projects uh well you, do you want me to kind of keep talking about the the bentonville story that yeah, was I would in the, love so the, to, because to do I'm... that project i this was fun i uh i asked someone i was talking to at Fat Tire, still working at Fat Tire. I was talking to somebody and saying, I've got this show in six months and I am I have this idea to build a pretty large, so it was a 20 foot wide, eight foot tall, 11 foot deep structure. So it was a big sculpture, but I needed a place to build it and I didn't know what to do. So I um, asked someone at the bike shop and they introduced me to someone else that then said, that there was some available space in uh the record <laughs> the the record building before uh -huh. it was you know the record and um and so i got access to be able to just utilize this wonderfully large concrete floor beat up you know palace perfect studio it was I mean, the absolute perfect is, studio yeah. yeah it was the the dirtier the better in yeah. one sense yeah um and uh that was sort of my i i kind of i approached that show with a lot of energy because it was the first art i was going to make in northwest arkansas and i really wanted it to be uh i really wanted it to be a strong showing i wanted the project that i did there to sort of maintain a standard that i like to try to maintain um, yeah. and uh you know, from there a lot of uh word of, word of mouth uh connections uh led to 
uh, well, for example, Tom Merritt, who I mentioned, who did the um, the photography show and was running Studio 124. Uh, he's an architect, and at the time he was working on the project that is uh, that was Bike Rack Brewing Company and it's the Peddler's Pub and downtown Bentonville offices, uh, reimagining this, um, I believe it was a tile cutting company, hmm. um, you know, into a mixed juice brewery and food and et cetera. Yeah. And so he was working on that project and one of the, uh, One of the unique features, which was, I suppose, an opportunity, but also a challenge, was this 60-foot-tall utility pole mm -hmm. on the uh, northwest corner of the building. Um, and according to Tom, you know, there were conversations about, do we just cut it down? Um, and I believe it was Tom who was the one that chimed in and said, suggested, you know there's some potential with this pole. And so if we hang on to it, you know, I don't know how the conversation went exactly, but if we hang on to it, it's possible that something could come of it. Um, and, uh, and then I think Tom and, and then Mike Ab, who's done a lot of the curation of all that artwork that's around that particular building and site, mm -hmm. um, and works for runway NWA and has got his hand in all kinds of, projects all over the place yeah, um the uh, roger skate park the the uh i believe the the tower in springdale mm -hmm. is it a airport tower that the monarch butterfly project in springdale you know i'm not totally he's the first sure. person that mentioned that to me so okay, he's gotcha a lot of stuff anyway um you know he became sort of an avenue to proposing something and it was basically just presented originally as you know, if you got an idea what we can do with that pole, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, if you have a good idea for it, then sh then shoot. And uh, and that was when I started kind of on what was the first like sort of visual, visible, like highly visible project in Bentonville, yeah. Which was became the Three Feathers, which was titled Three Feathers because I was actually sitting at the um, what's the barbecue place on Walton that's north of Tiger, um, uh, kind of in the hickory uh, rib house no it's no. it burned and then they rebuilt it oh what is the name of that place smokehouse to... no it's no. it's it's kind of in the woods it's next to the neighborhood market on the uh oh, east uh, side of uh on the east side of walton, walton. yeah north of tiger north of the yeah. we had dinner there peyton yeah it's i can't remember the name of it anyway they had a food truck it's just like somebody's name or something Casey's. Yeah, it wasn't Casey's. They figured it out anyway. They come and go. No, they had a they had a food truck at what is now, I don't think it was the time, was Gearhead. And uh I since I'm thinking about the pool, one of my disciplines in doing site specific projects is the discipline of sitting there with nothing to do wherever it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. and just staring and looking around looking at the space so i you know i spent a couple of hours including a lunch sitting on a picnic bench looking at the pole just looking at it did a drawing kind of you know trying to get a sense of scale 
Um, it's important because it's a very tall pole. Most utility poles are about 25, 30 feet. Right. And this is 60. So it's twice as tall as your normal one. And um, just starting to pay attention to it. Learn the pole. You know, uh, I love the idea of transforming it into something else, something unique. Uh, but you really have to start thinking about that carefully. You know, it's too skinny to be a pencil sticking right. up into the air. Um, it's, uh, you know, so it's it's specific dimensions. I was trying to let steep. Mm -hmm. and um, Which is fascinating as an artist because it is a line. It's a line. How, how do you imagine a line differently? That's it's exactly right. Fascinating. It, it is a line, and it's a line of a particular dimension. Mm -hmm. It's not just a shortest distance between two points. It's right. a line that has width and depth as well. And um, yeah, but I was just sit I was sitting on that bench in front of the um, barbecue truck eating a pulled pork, and I kind of did another drawing of it. Usually do kind of multiple drawings, and I just drew three feathers on top of it. I just actually probably just drew two, one on either side, just sketched them, and it was one of those. Every once in a while, creativity is. A process that helps you realize good ideas it's not a like you know just I'm walking around and bling that's right. cool bling that's cool you know it's a it's a, a process that I go through mm -hmm. that um, is intended to and good at helping you arrive at ideas that are valuable right and but every once in a while there's that moment where you know you draw the feathers on the pole and you just go, boom. There it is. <laughs> it's, you know, um, even the taper of the pole creates a force perspective. So when you're at the bottom, it appears taller than it's supposed to be. Mm. And the feathers mirror that taper, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, if you look closely at them, the feathers are slightly tapered in to emphasize that upward thrust. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I put together a little proposal and uh started working on that project and at this point i was learning a lot which has been another valuable lesson of northwest arkansas i was learning a lot about figuring out how do i keep being a father and a husband and have a full-time job and do ambitious art projects yeah um i'm still learning that the hard way oftentimes but it was doing that project that for the first time I felt like I was the designer and general contractor, but I wasn't doing the craftsmanship, yeah. you know? And I, yeah. like, I totally love like building this giant, really complex plastic amphitheater from scratch, yeah. you know, making every cut, uh, gluing every seam. But uh, I had to shift into a different role because I couldn't, I simply couldn't do that. And it was beyond my capabilities to do this giant thing. Right. Uh, and uh, so I started finding people who could assist me and on fabrication and assist me on the engineering side, uh, asking lots of questions, getting advice from people who knew, know how to build things um, both here and afar. Mm. Um, and uh, kind of, did that whole project from, you know, behind a drawing board. Yeah.
which what, was the first time I'd ever done that. Yeah. What is the experience like working with a city or maybe it wasn't even the city in this case. Um, it was private property. It was a private property. So I just, the kind of, you know, that's not entirely true. We met with, um, Troy Galloway's office. He's a city controller and, uh, whoever it is under him that enforces the sign ordinance. Mm. And I remember the conversation was, so working with Bentonville was great. And I think obviously Bentonville's pretty open right. uh, to, I think Bentonville's got a certain commitment to flexibility when it comes to, this could be really cool if you don't mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I think, yeah, the conversation was kind of like, he said, does that words on it? I was like, nope. He's like, but it's not a sign. You're good. That's so <laughs> cool. Like, okay. That's so cool. I didn't know it was going to be quite that simple, but wow. it, I hope I'm not misrepresenting the city of Bentonville, the office of the controller uh -huh. or of the city planner. Um, but it's uh, pretty much how it went down. Gotcha. I'm just always cool. curious to hear how people proposing public art, mm -hmm. if that is like, struggling against like a, we want to keep our city uh -huh. like uniformly aesthetic or whatever that yeah. is, you know, if, um, you know, whatever. Right. So I'm just curious to hear if things are like, Oh, it's pretty easy going. Or if maybe in yeah. that, in that point in time, like there is this land swell of, um, artists and them, them trying to really embrace mm -hmm. what crystal bridges was doing and trying to move public art out into the greater area or mm -hmm. whatever that was. I'm just curious. I was on the Bentonville public art advisory committee. That helps the inaugural one at the time. <laughs> However, at, at first I felt like, Oh, is this okay? But basically if it's private property mm -hmm. and the people that own the property will pay for the project to be made, they can put what they want on their property okay. gotcha. unless it becomes a sign or something like that, that then the city has some oversight over or some say in. Gotcha. Um, otherwise I think you can kind of do what you want to do. It is more complex when it's publicly owned property, when it's city property. Right. Um, but that was the, you know, the purpose of our committee was to, um, navigate that water was to work with, we had people from the city that were on the committee. Um, uh, and to, identify sites, get approvals for things and go through that whole process. Um, but I would say that even with the red tape required to do it on public property, uh, the city was, they were all for it. I mean, I think really? it was, I think it was a city kind of led initiative to form the committee. Okay. They just wanted some oversight over what was, what was done and where it was done. You wanted some informed people in the room who could curate yeah. what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Let something that could... stupid or ugly get put up, you know, or <laughs> there was no, there was definitely a, a dimension of quality control in it. Mm -hmm. That was um, an important part of, I think the committee's function. Yeah. And it was great. Gotcha. And then I moved to Rogers and they kicked me off. <laughs> <laughs> no longer a Bentonville resident. Nope. You no longer have to stay nope. here.